Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. Today's guest is a veteran ecosystem builder and has helped to put together some of the most important pieces in Madison, Wisconsin's startup ecosystem. Our guest today, Scott Resnick, is an all-around leader in the Wisconsin startup community, having successfully scaled a tech company, served as one of the youngest city council members in the country, and is the founder and was the first executive director of Starting Block Madison, a 50,000-square-foot entrepreneurial hub that opened up in 2018. Scott led the efforts to raise millions of dollars to build this beacon for Midwest startups, where he is now the entrepreneur-in-residence. Scott and I touch on a lot of interesting topics, including some interesting metrics to gauge a startup ecosystem's health that you might not have thought of. If you live in a city or a town and you feel like your local ecosystem might be a little bit behind the curve, then be sure to pay close attention to this episode. Scott drops some really great knowledge bombs. But now that's enough for me. I'll pass it off to Scott Resnick, COO at Harding Design and Development, an entrepreneur in residence at Starting Block Madison. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So we are joined by Scott Resnick, who is a former two-term member of the Madison Common Council. Scott is the co-founder of Hardin Design and Development, which is a software development firm that is headquartered in Madison, Wisconsin, which he's helped to grow to an eight figures in revenue. Uh, he is also the founder and first executive director of Starting Block Madison, which is a 50,000 square foot entrepreneurial hub located in Madison uh, and is known as Madison's tech evangelist. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's it's great to have you on. So, uh, admittedly, I've I've never been anywhere within Wisconsin. But you are, you are missing out. You're missing out on the cheese. You're missing out on the beer. It's a it's a growing community. I I, I hope to host you very soon. I would love to come out. But you know, if I were to fly out to Madison, what would be my first impressions of the city? Well, you know, first it would be hard to miss uh, the lakes as you're flying over, you know, overhead. But what you would realize is, you know, Madison is is a small community, but what we have is the true density of startup creation. When you look at it, and particularly if you're on our Capitol Square, you would realize there's a dense radius of three miles where you can find some of the hottest tech companies. You can find individuals of government. You could find you know, our capital or venture funds. You know, all in essentially an eight block radius. So, you know, what What you would probably be welcomely surprised with is an ethos of a city that is just on the cusp of greatness. And, and it's why it's been fun to be in Madison over the last 10 years and really excited to see where Madison goes from here. I saw you tweeted out uh, Silicon Prairie's state of the ecosystem report earlier this year, and I had some really good conclusions and, and grades for, for the Madison ecosystem. So I definitely want to dive into that. But before before we get there, I think something that's super interesting about your background is, you know, not not only are you an experienced tech entrepreneur, but you also have a lot of experience and time serving on the public side of things and serving for the city council. And so I'll be curious to hear about really what did you take away from your time as city council person when it comes to the role of local government in uh, in building up the ecosystem and, and maybe some of the challenges or uh, or limitations that that side of the aisle faces. 
Yeah, certainly. You know, I, I reflect fairly fondly. Uh, you know, my background was an entrepreneur. Uh, my, my company was at a, was inside its growth phase when as a poli-sci major, I decided I should put that degree to good use, run for public office. You know, seeing that there was a, a, a true opportunity to bring innovation into, you know, a bureaucracy such as, as local government. Through that time and experience, realizing how much technology is actually touching us in our everyday lives, everything from the individuals who are picking up your trash to filling potholes to responding to a, mad, you know, a modern ecosystem, we're running into these interesting conflicts between local government and Uber and Lyft or bird scooters or how does the hotels compete with Airbnb and how do you create an equitable community where everyone gets to take the benefits of our modern technology. So, you know, not only having those experiences of being at that time was one of the youngest leaders in the country, but being able to see firsthand that emerging battlefield, which is how do we, how do we all prosper together? It was a fantastic experience that I've been able to apply to the ecosystem. And I mean, based on what you saw, what do you think is the right way for a local government to really regulate and uh, make sure that these new companies like Uber and Airbnb or Lyft are really having a net positive impact on the community? Because all these, all these companies and technologies are changing so quickly you know, they, you don't want to stifle innovation, but at the same time, there needs to be uh, boundaries and, and rules when they do. Yeah, come it, it's figuring out how a certain resource or element is being used for the public good. You know, obviously, when you think of bird scooters who are operating on site or would like to operate on a sidewalk, who else could be using that sidewalk? And how should the city be compensated and the taxpayers uh, be compensated for, for certain uh, usage rights? When it comes to Uber and Lyft, you know, yes, I would say that his a way to make on-demand ride services, you know, available, but how do you ensure Uber and Lyft is covering every single one of your neighborhoods, not redlining certain communities? So it's a regulatory process, but... It, and this is the challenges to you know city leaders across the country of, of figuring out how you strike that fair balance. And yeah, that has truly been a, a struggle in, in some communities. Some are doing it better than others, but really allowing technology to grow that, that everyone benefits from. Right. Tell us a little bit about like how the whole starting block Madison came together, because I think there are a lot of different organizations and, and buildings like this that are cropping up over the country. Some people are doing it right. It seems like with, with starting block, I mean, you have all the right players involved. Uh, but can you, can you tell us a little bit about how that, that whole thing came together? Yes, absolutely. So Starting Block was a six-year project, and, and I think that's what sometimes missed in the conversation. You know, we opened about six months ago, and it's all of that planning and foresight that led up to that point. You know, the community had essentially reached a critical mass. And, and what I mean by critical mass is we had accelerators in the community. We had you know, a lot going on where we had relative, you know, I would say r- roughly between two to 300 startups in some stage inside the community. And what our thought was, is how do you gain, how do you create a place that would be that one single spot where if you needed the resources, mentorship, guidance, if you want to start a new endeavor, that this would be that beacon, that opportunity, that piece of public infrastructure. And that's where the idea of starting block uh, Madison came from. 
Yeah, I will say that it took you know quite a while. Uh, we raised a fair amount of capital, well into the millions, to you know eventually co-locate a space that is now inside a, a partnership with American Family Insurance inside their Spark Building for Innovation, and we have roughly fifty thousand square feet where startups are 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 residing taking office space, receiving mentorship and guidance. We set this up as a nonprofit, so we're not taking a piece of the action. And in our first six months, we have about 37 companies now operating out of the space. Those companies have gone on to raise a little over $15 million. We're starting to see companies now leave the space and grow into their own. So what I would say it all, though, does come down to is, is critical mass, individuals who are willing to be doers in their community, to build that project and the numbers are impressive and the space is large, but we spent every two weeks for, for nearly two hours each week meeting in my office, a group of 11 of us, uh, essentially pushing that project forward. So it's those planning stages that are sometimes missed in the, in the overall conversation. We have many communities who now point to the project and say, we want to build something like that here, but recognizing it takes a ton of work. And it was once the community was ready for a project, you know, such as this. Yeah. And I think a space like Starring Block is the most important piece of an ecosystem, which, which is a, a central hub where all the players in the ecosystem can, can meet and have events and, and whatever it may be. You need a place to convene and connect, right. as some would say. And that's what, whether it's you know 1776 in, in Washington, D.C., whether it's 1871 in Chicago, whether it's Capital Factory, you know, those are the places of, of that density and opportunity, which Starting Block represents for the Madison community. And so what would you point to as like the key assets or the anchor institutions that, that makes the startup ecosystem there unique? So it's many of the tenets that we now have inside Starting Block. You know, from the grassroots side, we have Generator, which is their national headquarters, uh, is inside uh, Starting Block. That's a, a national tech accelerator uh, and, and college assistance program. Or, uh, uh, pre-accelerator uh, that's now located in several different cities. We have the Doyen Group, which focuses on, on women and underrepresented entrepreneurs with both with a venture fund and connections and mentoring. Uh, we have Bunker Labs, which focuses on veteran entrepreneurs. So for us, it was about putting pieces all under one roof. And as we found, you know, both with the corporate venture partners that we see in the community, American Family Ventures, you know, Mutual Ventures, and, and some of the future ventures, some of the other corporate partners also at the table. It's about bringing the ideas into the community and watching those ideas scale. So it takes a, a number of pieces for it all to work together. It's taken time. It didn't happen overnight by any stretch, but it's, it's really the, the secret ingredients about getting the same movers and idea makers into the same room and seeing what's created out of that. And so with, with the programming that, that you're all doing at, at the starting block, like what, what do you view your role as um, when, when it comes to facilitating connections? So we believe that we amplify additional connections to the community. And sometimes there's really cheap uh, 
you know, easy things you can do to amplify your own startup community. So here are just some of the pieces that we did. And I would say we've done all of this, these components for under a thousand dollar budget. We have an email listserv that we just simply promote all of the, all of the entrepreneurial and tech events in the community. And we blast that out, uh, to 12, you know, right around 2,500 individuals in the Madison community. We do that every two weeks. Uh, at Starting Block, we have several different programs that run once a week, one being Ecosystem 101. What are all the programs in the Madison, you know, Madison ecosystem? And, and that's an interesting program where we simply, you know, run through for 45 minutes the layout of the ecosystem. But we will see individuals of all ages, genders, background who just want to be plugged into the startup community but don't know where to start. We offer Finance 101, which we have one venture fund each month in the Madison area. Come in, present, share what it means to take angel or investment capital. How do you potentially bootstrap a company? What are the strategies of financing? And then a founders roundtable, where we have uh, and more experienced founders who provide an opportunity for the community to do an AMA and ask me anything session. You know, all of these programs seem pretty basic and simple, but we try to make it as easy for the community to find. And, you know, our true belief is if you convene individuals inside your community, if they start to meet one another, that's where you start to see the, the true growth occurring. Right. So in uh, and I'm looking at the, uh, the the state of Silicon Prairie report right now that you retweeted a few weeks ago, and it describes it says, in what some have described as an off year in Madison, the community finishes number five in our rankings. So it looked like Madison increased in the rankings. Um, but why, why, why do you think they, they describe it as an off year? Yeah, so we saw a bit of a dip in our venture capital numbers, which I would say is a, a lagging indicator for, for communities. If you see 2018's numbers, which are now available, we we almost doubled 2017's numbers. So, you know, I think that's where uh, the Silicon Prairie noticed that we had an off year. But, uh, you know, so the state of Wisconsin as a whole raised about a quarter billion dollars in venture capital. What you realize is entrepreneurial communities are sometimes cyclical. So your cycle may not be in a year-long period. It might be in a, an 18-month period or even a two-year period where you'll see certain companies that will be going out, raising their seed venture round, their Series A, their Series B, and then you know further or potentially exiting. We saw you know 2017 was a little bit of a slower round because folks had raised larger rounds in 2016. So it's getting to know your own ecosystem and being comfortable with how your ecosystem is operating. Folks, you know, pretty readily when they saw the numbers dip, they said, well, has the Madison ecosystem popped or is the bubble burst? And the reality was, was no, the entrepreneurs were just getting to work and not raising funds at that time. So it's, it's important to re remember what indicators are important for your community and which ones, you know, you can just rest on your laurels that, that they'll work out in the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a really good point. I think some of the numbers are skewed, I mean, mainly by there's like one deal mm -hmm. that's like a, a, you know, really big investment and that completely skews the numbers and it's like that across a lot of different ecosystems. And so I've begun to believe more and more that 
the amount of venture capital raised is is not really like I think there are better metrics out there to judge an ecosystem's health on besides just looking at that number. Yeah, and I mean to that point, I'll share two pieces on that. You know, we have a company here uh, here in the region uh, called Shine, which is building essentially new ways to form nuclear isotopes. And if that sounds like a hard problem to tackle, you know, it is. <laughs> so, you know, when they do a financing round in the, you know, the 100 million plus 200 million range, yes, that's what it costs to just get to the next stage of development as they're bringing a product to market. You know, so it can really throw off the numbers of a region. When it looks to the health of a region, the number that I like to look at is new financings. And that's one where a number that I first was introduced by Ian Hathaway, uh, previously the Brookings Institute, of just to see how many startups are getting their first round of financing. And if you start measuring that by your population and size, it's a good indication of that health. Let's say you have 30 new companies that are being financed in your community. You know, you're able to hope that one, two years down the line, you might have five to 10 that go on to that next round of capital. Obviously, you won't have 100%, but it's a good way to just see where the health of a community is. Venture capital, you know, you have so many outliers and it's such a lagging indicator. Yeah, it's really hard to measure, you know, what your success rate is. And even further, some of the largest companies don't end up taking venture capital. So in our, in our case in Madison, we have a company called Epic Systems. It's the world's leading uh, health uh, electronic medical records company and raised almost no venture capital to create. Now it's you know certainly thousands of jobs. So at times venture capital is is just one of many indicators. So the the one indicator that I've really liked, I heard from a friend uh, actually as a fund in Nigeria. His name is Yele Badamosi, and he he said that he likes to look at the GitHub activity of a specific city as. You know, there, there's activity here and, and, it, and it makes a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. I haven't heard of that one, but that is a brilliant way. Uh, I am currently writing that one down. And I hope your listeners would <laughs> as well. But it's some unique ways. Scott Phillips uh, from uh, Civic Ninjas, who was one of your previous guests, you know, mentioned to me at one point, could you measure the number of copies of Eric Reese's books that have been sold in your population per capita to measure, you know, how many people are thinking about startup creation or, you know, maybe uh, how many times Brad Feld's name is mentioned or referenced in a community. I think though there are more interesting measures than just simply how much you've raised in, in venture capital. That's, that's good. I like that. We, we need to figure out what the ideal Reese to Feld ratio is for, <laughs> for, for a city's Amazon activity. Because <laughs> you, you need the ecosystem builders in there, but you also need the entrepreneurs. So, you know, there's probably a, there's probably a, a perfect ratio that that's some, maybe that's the Silicon Valley hit. And I mean, also Silicon Valley wasn't built overnight. It was built, you know, with industry players, both from the corporate side, as well as institutions, you know, certainly funding elements inside the ecosystem. So it's cities that have, you know, their city, their state, federal resources, all angling in the right direction, that they have their corporations thinking about entrepreneurship and funding local activities, you know, plus talented entrepreneurs themselves being present inside their ecosystem. You know, those are the communities that I think are just going to be so much fun to watch uh, in the next five years, whether that be a Madison, whether that be a Salt Lake City, uh, a, a Raleigh. 
uh, it becomes a lot of fun to see how the rest of the country uh, and, and many other communities around the world are, are growing. I agree. And so I saw second, the range of industries in the startup ecosystem in, in Madison is, is significant. Uh, and so, do, I mean, do you, do you feel like that's just a result of kind of having, having a diversified diversified um, array of legacy institutions that have kind of resulted in new startups? See, that's a great, that is a great question. And, you know, certain communities will go out and put a flag in the ground and say, we are going to be the community for blockchain, or we are going to be the community for aerospace manufacturing. And if you're Seattle, that might make sense for you, or, or Huntington, that might make sense. Madison, for better or for worse, never put a flag in the ground. Uh, but because we have the University of Wisconsin, you would see so many different companies, you know, sometimes even one-offs that would be building in a certain industry, have a certain amount of industry success and, and, you know, see growth around them. So, you know, if I, you may be surprised to hear, but, you know, Madison for gaming. So we have both PUBG and Call of Duty both rendered here in Madison. When you look at, you know, the... the uh, and and when, when you say rendered, what, what exactly does that mean? So if you think of the graphic designs, that if you're playing a game of PUBG, you know, those graphics are actually created, that engine graphics are created here in Madison. Got it. We have a, a ton of health tech related companies, many of them spinning out of Epic, but many others that are just out of the University of Wisconsin. So we, we, you'll also see Ionic Systems, which is a company that allows you to essentially provision out if you're writing a mobile application for iPhone and Android, you can write out one code base and it provisions out to both applications. That application has now had 4 million users write code for uh, in the Ionic platform. So you're seeing just a number of interesting companies that may be one off in a particular industry, but it makes for a probably a more exciting and more vibrant and, and interesting ecosystem. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I get people asking me all the time, you know, Andrew, should we like focus in on, on, on one specific industry? And like, like, what if we get what if we choose wrong, and we choose an industry that actually doesn't pop? With anything in with investing, it's it's the risk you want to take on, and so if you go all in on becoming an IoT hub, and and that's you know that that's the thing, and then you'll win big. But if you kind of uh, you know if if you don't hit right, then it's it's not going to be good. And I have been told that by not focusing, uh, I, I've been called a number of different names, and usually questioning my my intellect from folks who are much smarter than than I am on this very topic of saying you must specialize. But but I will say Madison has made it through the fray without doing so, which is has been a, a testament to the entrepreneurs and and the other innovators that we have in our community. I I think it's yet to be seen. And I had this conversation yesterday, like Uber and Airbnb and WeWork, none of these companies, none of this latest wave of startups have gone through a recession. And so we'll see, I mean, we'll see who's right with, with, with all this stuff on, on the back end of, you know, whenever that happens. But don't want to finish off on a not happy note, but Scott, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round. All right. Four questions, 60 seconds per answer. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Scott, what is your favorite business book and why? And you can't say Lean Startup or uh, Brad Fell's book. Uh, measure What Matters. Who's that by? Uh, John Doerr. Got it. 
it takes a look at, at really how you think through about scaling a company. You need to understand what your metrics and inputs are and how you think through your outputs. I think that's an important book for anybody who is looking at ecosystem building or starting a company. So this is going to be a, a very, very political question. What is the best restaurant or bar in Madison? Heritage Tavern. It, it helps that I invested in it. <laughs> Okay, well, th thanks for giving that the uh, the asterisk. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, when you come to Madison, it will be the first place we eat. We might actually do every meal there, just a, a personal philosophy. Okay, fair enough. We, we, we could definitely do that. Uh, so if you were to raise a, a venture fund, who is the uh, your, your dream LP and why? So my dream LP, oh, that is a, that is a great, great, great question. Living or dead? Living or dead. Um, see, you throw dead in there now. I, I mean, I, 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 would, I would still choose to have someone uh, like an, an, Eric, an Eric Schmidt inside that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably, it's probably a good answer. I don't, I don't think Abraham Lincoln would know too much about venture capital investing in startups. No, and I would love to bring like Alexander Hamilton just to go hang with him. But I, I mean, the dude would just, pro, you know, would be writing nonstop and singing, and you know, it would be it would be challenging. That's a good point. That's a good point. You don't want you don't want your LPs taking up too much of your time. No. And so, final question: uh, What is your favorite thing about living in Madison? Oh, I love a Badger game day. And I mean, that college experience, that university town. Uh, th there's nothing better than a fall football game in Madison. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 